Welcome, this is Coppercast, a show dedicated to exploring the wonderful, if somewhat technical, world of institutional investment in crypto assets. I'm your host, Tyler Kenyon, and our guest today is Patrick Zilbauer, who heads up strategic accounts at Blockfills. Blockfills is an electronic, off-exchange, digital liquidity provider that operates using an electronic communication network model. It is routinely contacted by asset managers and hedge funds who seek liquidity, capital efficiency, bespoke solutions, and a level of service that is largely lost in the modern trading space. Welcome, Patrick. Thank you, TK. Glad to be here. Cool. So let's start at the beginning, man. Tell me, tell me your crypto origin story. What were you doing before and how did you get bitten by the bug? Right on. Well, I started in the futures industry when I was 21 years old. I got my Series 3 when I was still in school at the University of Iowa. Uh, landed at a reputable introducing futures broker in Chicago, and I never left. I actually stayed there for almost 17 years. Uh, the company was sold at the end of 2020, and that was sort of my cue to exit. Uh, our CEO, Nick Hammer, and I used to work together sort of in another lifetime, and uh, that's basically how I landed here at Blockville. So professionally, I've uh, been involved just since the beginning of the year. Uh, started you know, buying Bitcoin on an automatic debit out of my checking account in 2017. Never really had a huge interest in it, but it turned out that I built a little significant position and it got me hooked. So even in 2017, how, how did you hear about it and were, were convinced enough about it? Being in the traditional space already, I mean, what about Bitcoin convinced you to set up a recurring payment on your debit card? Right. So when you work in the futures industry for as long as I have, you do develop a significant risk tolerance. You're talking about trading markets that are extremely volatile over a long period of time, markets that are open 23 hours a day, uh, index products, commodities, currencies, metals, you know, energies, grain products. And so I always had an interest in the, the newest market. Uh, I was always looking for ways to get involved. Um, I didn't have a lot of time to sit there and dedicate towards researching crypto, but I found that it was very easy for me to at least put a little bit of money into it and get myself involved and start tracking prices and that's basically how, how I got involved. And the, the model that Blockfills had in 2017, is it the same? Then? It's 2018 you guys founded. Right. And has it evolved much since then? It, it has. So the, the origins of Blockfills were basically uh, similar to what, what is called uh, an ECN, or Electronic Communication Network, as you said in the intro, in the FX space. So uh, our CEO, Nick, and our co-founder, Gordon Wallace, had built... Uh, ECNs in the FX space where basically they were taking liquidity from banks and aggregating it into a single feed and then facing institutional clients with that aggregated liquidity. And those clients would then turn around and face their clients. So these were exchanges and brokers. So in 2017, you know, th there was no institutional support for crypto at all. Uh, certainly not to the degree there is now. And Nick and Gordon basically decided to build a model that was representative of the success they had in the FX space. And so that was the origin in terms of how Blockfills began, you know, trading two pairs. And now we've moved into uh, derivatives and structured products, infrastructure solutions for companies looking to get into digital assets, and uh, also uh, things like you know mining, uh, mining pools, equipment financing. We've done some really creative things in, in, a, in a number of different verticals in the space. And for that... But for those models to be successful, I mean, it necessitated the institutional money to be coming in. And I mean, if you've been in the crypto space for like four or five years, it was always the, you know, that wall of money is just around the corner. We just need, you know, regulation or that next piece of tech or whatever. But I mean, you must be seeing it actually happen in real time, right? The 
the flow is there and it's it's only growing is, how do you guys measure it how do you predict or model it or how do you view it right so you know as someone who's on the front lines every day dealing with prospective and existing clients um, one thing that I am seeing is a dramatic interest in the traditional uh, legacy markets providers moving into into this space and or at least trying to figure out how to do it so what's basically happening is we are fielding an unbelievable amount of inquiries from companies who basically come to us and say look I need to offer crypto yesterday I, I, I'm losing clients to exchanges we need to stand something up immediately and so we perform an extensive discovery process we go into these companies we learn about them and we find out what aspects of our infrastructure. Maybe it's a tech piece, maybe it's a, a spot liquidity piece or a derivative piece that, that we can bring to the table. So I would say that in terms of measurement, you know, you know, it's really just the sheer amount of inquiries we're fielding. It's not slowing down. And uh, we, we believe that that trend is going to, you know, continue to, to ramp up. So they've got the, the demand is there for sure. Um, and then in terms of these guys from that traditional world participating in the crypto markets, like, Talk us through some of those. I mean, we, we mentioned it before uh, we started recording, like the prerequisites that these guys have in place for the crypto space in order for them to come to the table. Right. So one of the things about BlockFills is that BlockFills is relatively agnostic from a provider or a technology provider perspective. So we go where the clients are. We are a team that is relatively nimble. We can move quickly if we have an idea. It's relatively simple for us to act. And one of the things that we are noticing is obviously security and custody is a major complication when it comes to physical crypto. A lot of the companies who are looking to get into our space, they're dealing in things like margin FX. There's never any delivery or physical settlement of anything. So everything's cash settled. And so now all of a sudden you take an organization that has never had to have custody over anything except dollars sitting in a bank account, and now they have to hold a physical commodity. How do you do that? You know, who's responsible? And so one of the things we have noticed is that, you know, we are getting inquiries from organizations that demand, uh, you know, uh, advanced security infrastructure. And, you know, th that's one of the reasons why we linked up with Copper, frankly. I mean, we have uh, customers that have come to us and said, look, I, we want to deal with you. We've heard great things about you. We love the cross margining and the derivatives and everything. We need you to build our wallet under Copper's infrastructure. So we do. That, that sounds, I mean, that's really interesting because that sounds like actually one of the th shifts that's maybe happened over the last year or so is, you know, y you guys don't have to do as much education towards your clients about what they need. If they're coming to you already with like a, a significant understanding of, you know, you know, security perils in the space and stuff like that. Right. For us, I mean, three years ago, still having to explain key management was a really important part of the job. But it sounds now like more of the institutional players that are coming in have a good grasp of that. Do you, do you find that? Like, is it less about education, more about integration at this point? I, I, I believe it really is. I mean, it, it, it's great that the industry is starting to do that part of our job for us. Uh, but it's also a sign that we need to stay on our toes and stay competitive because obviously more and more entities are you know, coming into the space. But yeah, certainly it, it is, a, is a beautiful thing when we get an inquiry that is very straightforward about, about you know, the needs of that particular institution. And it, you know, it's, it's a challenge. We, we want to be creative and, and figure out you know, unique things we can, we can provide in terms of services. But certainly if, if an organization comes to us with a very, very straightforward request, we obviously appreciate the simplicity 
associated with, you know, with, with that with that kind of operation. Uh, but there's still all, all sorts of things we can do to help, you know, scale the business and, and help them level up. And is that partly also like, I mean, a couple of years ago, these guys might have been interested in Bitcoin and Ethereum. But now, you know, the, the, the range of products you can find in crypto is probably dwarfs what's even available in the traditional world already. So right. do you, I mean, have, are you having to scale your operations to support, you know, DeFi, for instance, or right. just multiple layer ones? Exactly. So, you know, when Blockfills started that ECN model, we were streaming two pairs. And, you know, now we're streaming something like 50 pairs and a whole bunch of crosses. And yeah, I mean, the altcoin conversation is something we have basically every day. And that's one of the reasons why we uh, work with Copper and that, you know, the, the range of assets that it supports is beyond that of some of the other providers we've worked with in the past. And so we need that, that wide scale coverage. Um, you know, there are hedge funds and groups that have come to us and said, you know, it doesn't make sense for us to have, you know, three or four LPs. We really want to stick with you, but we, we need to make sure that you can secure these different assets. And so that's, uh, you know, that's really important for us to be able to, to satisfy that request. If we zoom out for a second, how much of this, you know, really rapid and, and wider exploration of the crypto markets is purely a response to, you know, macroeconomics, like in the U.S. or globally, like post-pandemic? you know, inflation rising, you know, concerns about how that we've met with and dealt with in the future. Like, is it directly linked? Is that, is that the reason, the only reason why people are really interested in crypto right now, do you think? Right. So, uh, you know, that's definitely a huge factor. It's a huge factor for me personally. Um, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not the only one who, you know, is, is losing faith in, in fiat. Um, and I would say that, you know, that, that definitely is, is a major factor. It drives a lot of our, our business. Um, but it's also reflected in the types of organizations that are contacting us because we're being, you know, we're being uh, contacted by, you know, corporates that are really not in the trading space who are now looking to add Bitcoin to their balance sheet. Or, again, payments companies who are trying to figure out a way to get in, get in front of this as they anticipate an increased demand for being able to spend crypto more easily. So, you know, I think that, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely a large macroeconomic, um, you know, driving force. And, you know, we're responding to that. I mean, we see something similar. We work a lot with the Association of Corporate Treasurers. And, I mean, historically, these are the most risk-averse people you can imagine. And right. the questions and the interest and the enthusiasm from, from that side of the market is just huge. But I think they're probably obviously a little bit further behind than the institutional guys you normally deal with because you know, that, that range of understanding and knowledge of the space is still like, you'll get some guys who are like, so Bitcoin's used on the Silk Road, right? And then you'll get other right. guys who are like, so we can use DeFi to generate yield, right? right. It's like, right. how do I answer questions that satisfy everyone in this pretty market? Wide, pretty wide range there. Yeah. You, you know, we, I started having a few conversations with some, some corporates and it happened so frequently that we, we actually put a page on our website called Crypto for Corporations just to see if we would start to field submissions through the site they came yeah so i mean it's real if you build it right cool um can you talk a little bit about the mining space because I, I think you mentioned um earlier in, in the show and tell segment that, that you guys are active in the mining space right tell me a bit more about that yeah so you know blockfills has done some really creative things uh, for largely north american enterprise level miners uh, one of our partners neil van use uh, runs our mining division and essentially what he did was he went out to uh, a number of North American enterprise level miners and he basically said, we are exploring a product where we can create a 
two-year sale leaseback structure, and we will go out and we will provide you financing backed by equipment. And there was really nobody doing that at that time. It's a little bit more popular now, largely inspired by Neil. But essentially, you've got a miner who you know, needs to scale their operation. They're already mining, and they, they need cash to buy more machines and scale their, their business. And so uh, you know, Neil went out and raised about $150 million in equipment-backed financing. And those relationships are very good for us because those organizations then trade some spot with us. They might have relatively little understanding of uh, option trading or collars or things that we can do to help smooth out the volatility of their balance sheets. And you know, potentially there's lending relationships as well. So it's actually relatively sticky business for us. It's a good business for us. But uh, we were definitely the pioneer on, on the equipment-backed financing. And going into that, I mean, it feels like a bold move because, I mean, China at that point was still dominating the mining market, right? And it wasn't until recently that that's probably shifted a little bit. So that, right. that sort of like recent upheaval in China's must have been that was a good ver- for business. That was a very, that's true. Um, that was a very uh, strategic and opportunistic play. Uh, worked out really, really well for us. And in terms of where we are now, certainly... You know, we, re- we field as just as many inquiries as any other aspect of our business through our site about our mining and, and operational services for miners. Uh, we actually joined the Texas Blockchain Council in Texas. I'm actually in Austin, Texas. So it's just an, an unbelievable amount of activity happening down there right now in terms of uh, miners, uh, data center buildouts. Um, you know, there's political environment is very friendly to crypto and mining there. And you've got, you know, you've got the major North American miners in, in Governor Abbott's office you know, talking mining with, with... Can I ask a stupid yeah. question about mining? Sure. I don't know the space that well. Um, I always assumed that mining generates a fair amount of heat just through the computing, right. processing, or whatever. Texas doesn't seem like an obvious choice for me because, correct me if I'm wrong, right. it's a bit it's a little spicy hot. down there. Yeah, it's so hot. How does that work out? Like, why, yeah. why Texas? You know, um, w- without going, you know, too far into the tech piece, because I'm, I'm not an expert either, but I, you know, I, I know enough to be dangerous, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. And what I will say is that there is a big move in Texas towards liquid immersion cooling mining. Mm-hmm. And that is the, that is the route that, that we are going. There is some debate in the future about the next generation of, of semiconductors and how, uh, these, you know, potentially four and three, wh- what they call nanometer chips, uh, how they will sustain in, in any air-cooled environment. There's a, there's a lot of, that's a hot topic, literally, <laughs> no pun intended. Oh, man. Uh, you dad? That yeah, was a dad joke. Yeah, that was, I am a dad, yeah, I know. <laughs> I find myself doing that from time to time. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, uh, it, that is true. And so it's, uh, it's something that has to be contended with. And that, the liquid immersion cooling is, is one of the ways that's, ha- that's happening. Okay, so since we're going forward-looking now, What's, what's sort of next for Blockfills? What's on the horizon? Right. So, you know, we really want to uh, focus a lot on our, infra- our tech infrastructure offering. Uh, we have done a really good job recently getting companies in the more traditional spaces to s- let us stand up a tech solution for them. It, it's definitely not a one-size-fits-all solution. Um, it's very a la carte, and it's actually quite disarming. You know, we go to a company who's looking to build up a, a crypto business or, or scale one, you know, you go into a, a boardroom or a group of incentivized people and you say you want to tear down all their tech to stand something up that's new, that, that usually doesn't go over very well. But the nice part about our offering is that we can, once we learn a little bit about the existing business, we can say, look, you can use this piece, you can use this piece, this one you probably don't need. And when I say disarming, it just, we don't have to go in and run over everything. And we can still help them stand up something that's, that's, that's very competitive and it helps them basically turnkey 
uh, you know, and have a crypto business. So the tech infrastructure is really strong for us. Our derivatives business is growing uh, exponentially. We're doing a ton of, uh, of business in, in the option space. And that's an area that, that we're also going to be uh, scaling as well. What about like geographically? Where do you see the most like growth in the future? Is it still U.S. dominated or? You know, we, we see a, a large demand, especially right now out of South America. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, you know, th- there's one, you know, somewhat tragic situation in that, you know, the devaluation of currency is basically forcing people to you know, dispel with their local fiat and they're trying to get things like USDC and, and Tether as opposed to their local currency. So there's, there's an inherent demand and, and that sort of demand brings infrastructure, it brings investment, and that, that's going to get much more efficient, I'm sure. Uh, but there's a, you know, there's a large uh, contingent of you know, very active traders in South America, uh, and you know, we, we have tech solutions and platforms and liquidity that, that we want to put in front of those traders and investors as well. Patrick, thank you very much for coming in. This, this, this journey of block fills and your own personal journey sounds very uh, exciting, and we're, we're keen to watch it grow. Indeed, TK. Thank you so much for having me. Before we go, though. Yeah. We run through about 10 questions with everyone okay. just to see sure. how they compare. Um, <laughs> if you don't mind entertaining me sure. for let's a few minutes. Okay, go. so where do you see the crypto industry in one year versus 10 years? In one year, I think that you're going to have a much, more, uh, a much more defined and institutionalized DeFi space. I think that uh, the aggregation of li- uh, lending protocols that could be packaged up and sold to asset managers, is gonna, that's going to be a, a big thing. Indexes of DeFi products. Um, in, in 10 years, I mean, I could see, uh, you know, a, a total flip of, you know, how we transact on a day-to-day basis. 10 years from now, I would say by that time, you will have seen a significant consolidation in uh, the exchange space. Uh, you, you may have a cohort of, you know, very well-funded and hyper-regulated exchanges that are providing liquidity to, you know, to end users. Um, probably a revamping in the way that crypto payments are accepted by retailers and potentially, you know, a, a stable coin environment that is, you know, also, you know, uh, that also inspires a lot more confidence than, than the one we're seeing right now. If you could change one thing about the industry. If I could change one thing about the crypto space, it would probably be the influence that, uh, you know, social media and uh, some, you know, some very unsophisticated, inexperienced um you know, influencers can have on, on regular people, you know, the potential for, you know, a YouTube star to, you know, to devastate someone personally, you know, that's something that I would, I'd like to see us get rid of. Is there a piece of technology in your life that you couldn't live without? So, you know, I, I do have some property in Austin. I have, I have animals, I have two small kids. So I would say, especially when I'm traveling, the thing that I, I most, I lean most heavily on would be, you know, my cameras, because um, there's always something going on. My kids are, uh, you know, bouncing off each other. I have two longhorn cattle that I have to keep away from, you know, some other animals. And it's, uh, it's an interesting lifestyle down there. This leads nicely to my second <laughs> one, because I'm getting a glimpse of it. My second question already is that, what does your weekend look like if you get time off? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, one of the reasons that we decided to move to Texas in the first place was to attempt to, you know, get out of, get out of a, a, a highly populated area and slow our life down a little bit. So when we got down to Texas, we were living in more of a suburban area. Uh, it still didn't quite fill the void. A lot of my friends had big ranches and property we were always at. And that's what led us out to a town we live in now called Dripping Springs, which is a bit southwest of Austin. And so with, you know, 10 acres is not a lot, 
Sounds like a lot if you live in London. By London standards, that's <laughs> right. a football but, pitch. Right, but uh, it's, you know, it, it, there's enough work to be done. You know, I have, um, I, I, you know, if you would have asked me five years ago, would I be throwing hay bales out of a pickup truck, you know, into a pasture? I probably would have laughed in your face. But, I, you know, I do a lot of maintenance on my property, which I really take, you know, I really enjoy that and, you know, brings me a lot of peace and, and gratitude. Are there any movies that you can watch over and over again and never get tired of? Oh, man. That's a great question. Um, you know, this is going to make me sound ridiculous, but I'm going to say it anyway. I love the movie The Rock with Sean Connery and Nicolas Cage. That is like my favorite movie. Um, I love The Matrix. I love, uh, oh, I love, uh, you know, all the Tom Clancy, like Clear and Present Danger. You know, the, those are classics to me. So if those come on, if those come on, they get watched all the way through. Fair enough. I watched The Rock last night. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's on TV and I'm like, yeah. can't not watch it. Yeah, you can't Sean not watch Connery. it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have any catchphrases or mottos that you live by? Uh, show up. Show up is, is, um, is, you know, that's something I try to remind myself to, to do, you know, as, as a salesperson, as a father, husband, you know, sometimes it's easy to coast through things and, you know, we get distracted really easily these days. So I really try to, uh, you know, repeat that to myself, you know, at every, at every opportunity because, you know, it helps me be, be a better man. I like that. That's good. Um, who should we all follow on Twitter? Can I answer that honestly? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just really, I just don't like Twitter at all. Um, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't feel the need personally to share my every move and I find it like strangely narcissistic and awkward that, you know, people, do that and and but you know we we're, we're feeding the beast so i'm just not that into it crypto I mean, twitter I'm, I'm, is certainly yeah i mean i'm there too part I'm, of the problem <laughs> exactly i mean i'm there I, I follow it all i have no choice but yeah. um you know I'm, I'm i'm really not an advocate fair enough what was the last thing that surprised you uh i would say you know my ability to shoot that video a couple <laughs> minutes ago that that was kind of surprising i didn't think i thought it was going to take way longer and way more cuts so um you know i'm, I'm really happy with that how that good, turned out good. also i love the indian food here I, I did not expect to be uh you know to have such good experience with, with that uh, that was really outstanding london is yeah. synonymous for yeah yeah it's good indian food. It, it was awesome it was awesome who's the next guest do you think we should have on the show you know i would say that uh neil van hughes our director i know it sounds cheeky but you know, he, he has his ear to the ground as well or better than anybody I know in the mining space. Mining is everything right now. I mean, we have some really exciting things happening on our side with mining. And if you want to get real insight as to where, you know, that entire space is going, you know, he, he would be a great guy to talk to. Neil, if you're listening, I'm coming yeah. for you. <laughs> Where's he based? He's in Chicago. Okay, cool. Yeah. We're heading out there soon. There you go. Um, last question. If you somehow managed to meet Satoshi, but you only got to ask him one question what would you want to know all right so if, if if i met satoshi and i and i you know could ask him one question i would probably ask what can we do to simplify the message for our kids how can we explain what he was trying to do to children and you know i, I struggle with that there's a couple of resources out there and, and books out there for kids but um you know i'd, I'd love to get you know some insight straight from the source if, if i could so that would probably be where i go with that Get them to narrate a children's book. That would be fantastic. An audio book for yeah, children. Yeah. Bitcoin. That That'd be great. Good. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, that's it. You're done. Thank you very much, Patrick. Yeah, appreciate it, TK.
to our listeners, if you haven't already seen Patrick's show and tell video, please go to our YouTube page or you can find it on Twitter at CopperHQ or find it on the website, copper.co forward slash insights. There you can also sign up for our weekly newsletter, which goes out every Tuesday and includes links to all the week's top stories, as well as any updates from the wider team here at Copper. If you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, please give us a shout out and a good review in whichever streaming platform you're using. And if you want to get in touch, you can always reach me, Tyler, on Twitter at CryptoTSK. Or you can email me directly, tyler.kenyon at copper.co. If you'd like to be a guest on our show, or if you know someone who should be, give us a shout. We're here to talk all things institutional crypto. And this show could not be made possible without the technical and creative wizardry of Tally Spear, with support from Meli Mountfort, Eva Lila, and Kate Light. Thank you.